0: Welcome to Code Graves. My name is Teresa Rosato. I'm Patrice Anthony,
1: and I'm Megan Totsky.
0: And we are bringing you season two, episode twenty. We're very excited to be back. We've added a host, Great. and we're ready to fucking rock the next sixteen seasons. What is anatomy again? The next. 10 years of our lives <laughs> and it'll
1: still be going The show's gonna go till we die <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: exactly right that's exactly right it's probably actually really true i just saw an article that said ellen pompeo is gonna call when grace is done which is never which is never yeah right. if
0: it's up to ellen pompeo it's never it's never happening she'll record holograph hologram episodes of herself
1: <laughs> from beyond so we're, we, we, um, in the past, have done 30-second summaries, but with the addition of a new host and two years later, we're going to shake things up <laughs> a little bit, and instead of giving you a very stressful summary, we're going to take you on the rounds of the patients from this episode as a way to frame um, what happened in this episode through the eyes of our patients. So instead of doing 30 our seconds... Patients. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, they are our patients.
2: <laughs> we would make terrible interns, I think. I
1: think so, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: in comparison to izzy what? Well,
1: that's right the bar is pretty low <laughs> all
0: right so i'm gonna take us through the rounds today yeah which is gonna be a journey because whoo are we rusty
1: we're a little rusty Yes well,
0: not patrice patrice is fresh like a newborn
1: i know she's ready bringing all go. the best ideas today guys <laughs> um so we're gonna give Teresa 45 seconds to run through our patients from season two episode 20 um yeah you ready let's get into it all right in three two one Okay, so this episode
0: we've got Denny Duquette still doesn't have a functioning heart or something and is still the worst. Mrs. Gibson is having a C section and her husband is a creep. Sylvia Booker, uh, played by Natalie Cole, is um, suffering from an aneurysm that could pop at any time, but she doesn't want to get operated on because she wants to keep fucking her husband. And then we've got a hockey teen who is ready to cut off his own finger so that he can continue to play hockey and get a scholarship. Meanwhile, Mare and Dare are exploring friendship. Mare and George still aren't talking. Yang is babysitting babies. Bailey is being very unprofessional. And Izzy has torpedoed both her medical future and her relationship with Alex.
1: Excellent timing. That was just really superb. Like, you just really <laughs> nailed it. I didn't even know you were going to go was it in 45 seconds. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Holy
0: shit. You guys, very friend. Top that. Chief resident.
2: Right yeah. the fuck? Here. It
1: might be you because we know it's no one else in this episode. <laughs> it's no one else. Maybe we should just vote now that
2: Teresa just always does the right I mean, well, like, I kind whoa, of whoa, think whoa, so. Hey, whoa.
1: Hey, whoa. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we could never votes. top that,
2: so.
0: <laughs> oh, shit. This is how this is going to go. Definitely. I've already. So this episode is called uh, Band-Aid Covers the Bullet Hole. And it's funny because when I saw the episode title, I was like, oh, I really like this one. And then I watched it and was like, oh, no, I don't.
1: Yeah. Can we <laughs> just for a second, I impression. <laughs> like, if you're listening to this podcast and you just turned it on and have not yet watched this episode, I would recommend not. It's not a great episode. It's just like, I think mm-hmm. it's just kind really of It feels a lot like a You know, filler. it's one of those yeah. that when you're doing a rewatch of a show, you just skip. Yeah,
0: it, it doesn't do much for me. Yeah. Um, it was uh, aired March 12th, 2006, mm-hmm. and uh, was written by Gabrielle Stanton, who's, who has no relation to Andrew Stanton. I looked it up. The director of Finding Nemo, WALL-E, et cetera. Mm. Um, and uh, her then husband, Harry Worksman, they are not still married. Very interesting given this episode. Um, and it was directed by Julie Ann Robinson. Um, and Band Aid Covers the Bullet Hole is a song by a band I've never heard of called Scarling. Scarling? Like a scarred darling. A Scarling? That's a bad, it's
2: that's not like a typo. That's you want to hear of. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's I so think funny. they're from Florida. Oh. And they're categorized as noise pop. I could
0: tell that from just the first 15 seconds of the song. Mm. It's really terrible. I'll
1: play it here. Don't worry. (laughs) So we start this episode off with Meredith and Derek, who have (laughs) just decided um, that they're no longer together romantically because Derek's married and um, they're going to be friends. They're going to be the least convincing friendship ever, <laughs> like ever. I think that they're even less convincing as friends than like Meredith and George are as a sexual couple.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: wow. Good comparison, though. Yeah.
1: You know, like I think See, it's really. I feel like I had
0: a really different take on this than either of you. Like I looked at Meredith and Derek and then I thought about my queer community and was like, yeah, sure. This is like all of the friendships. I'm
1: surrounded by on a daily basis yeah but I think context is important there no I think that that's I think that's totally (laughs) accurate because I think that like were Meredith a queer character I would feel potentially uncomfortable with her relationship with Christina Mm. you know what I mean like I think that like
0: uncomfortable or turned on oh
1: for sure turned on (laughs) like that's that's just a given there's a a lot of fan fiction out there about that
0: but I think that, like... Oh, arguing for both discomfort and being turned on? Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm I mean, yeah. and, and I should say that, like, I frame that as, were I Addison, I would be very uncomfortable with the relationship that he has with Meredith, right? And similarly, mm. if I were Meredith's, like, wife, and she had that kind of relationship with Christina, I, I'm, you know, I could see a world where I would be uncomfortable with it. I also think that female franshi- friendships take a fundamentally different place in... Um, like that that's a different dynamic, right, and I think that like yeah i i guess I just don't think that like the the trust is not there for Meredith and Derek to have that kind of friendship because they've both <laughs> ruined it, <laughs> you know like there's, yeah, so that's that's my two cents on it.
2: I think it's also so abundantly clear that things are not over for them, that they're not over each other, right, which is why I feel like it differs from like most of my queer friend groups where maybe I've had sex with him. But it's really over. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. to, to Triza's point of, like, uh, it was something you had in your notes, Teresa, but it was about, um, like, the, the chemistry between Meredith and Derek is so, like, palpable. Like, you can oh, feel... Yeah. The, the yeah. tension and the relationship and, like, I don't know if it's – I think that, like, I chalk most of the beauty of the show up to the writing, but I do think that there is a mm-hmm. natural chemistry between the two of them um, that's either written or comes from the actors. Um and I think that that's what makes us so uncomfortable to like see them in a, in a, a, a friendship is like, this is not friendship. <laughs> like, you know, you can, right. cause you can feel it as like a, as a viewer. We don't look at each other that way. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're not sparkling our eyes at yeah. each other. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yes, exactly. Although maybe over the course of recording this podcast, we'll begin sparkling our eyes at each other. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds. I about. don't know if I have that sort of animal magnetism to myself. <laughs> I, I believe in myself as an eye sparkler. I believe yeah. that that is the thing I do. She does do that.
2: <laughs> I can see that actually. Yes. In you. <laughs>
1: yeah. Anyway, I think I
2: might have to record in a different room.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's Too much. So, so we opened this episode, um, And Meredith and Derek are out on a walk with Meredith's dog, Doc. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, they're just like, they're hanging out in the woods. And I said, you know, every time that Derek gets close to Meredith to kind of like, in a lower voice, utter some sort of witty aside, it was just, it was like a whisper across my vagina, you know, (laughs) like I was just like, alert, alert i sat up a little straighter on the couch you know i just like i was ready for them to fuck in the woods and they didn't no. they just played fetch with the dog and that was rough it's because they're because they're friends so that's that's the framing of this episode aside from george cutting his own hair which just who the fuck cares um oh
1: yeah i skipped over that sorry
0: the- <laughs> That's 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 the framing of the episode like can these can these two people really really do it and I think actually the episode kind of leads leaves us on an optimistic note with their friendship which yeah. we'll we 'll get into later how believable that mayor may or may not be well,
1: and I think that it starts out that like the show is um it's and I don't think shows do this as much anymore. But like when when anticipation was such a big thing in primetime television of like the cliffhangers and things yeah. like that, and the show did a lot to build anticipation over time, right? And so it's like you know, as a viewer that Meredith and Derek will end up together, right? Like, you know that, that they're like, mm-hmm. they, they are going to be drawn back to each other in some way, shape or form. And so this is just like, it's like three ticks up the roller coaster to like, get closer and closer to that. And you could just like feel it building. And I think that they, they do that really successfully in this episode.
0: Yeah, that's true. They do feel like a foregone conclusion, you know, like, mm-hmm. like a much sadder Jim and Pam.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's such like a good a way to put it. a much
2: Jim and Pam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it really just feels like there was never any question that they were going to end up together. Even when Addison showed up, you're like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> but <laughs> right, there was a clear reason why Derek didn't say anything about previously being married at all. <laughs> right. moved across the country from her yeah well and when she walks
1: in you have as a viewer you're like oh man it's gonna be a long time before we get to see Meredith and Derek together again (laughs) you know like it's not like this is over it's like shucks we gotta wait a while now
0: (laughs) damn that's a wrinkle (laughs) anyway So, the other thing I want to call, call our attention to, just really quickly, and then we can move into the actual storylines. This really bothered me. So, we go from the woods with Meredith and Derek to George and Burke being best friends in the apartment that Burke now shares with Yang, and this specifically is what bothers me. Not just their friendship, which is annoying as fuck, but the fact that they ran five miles in 50 minutes, which I, sure, Isaiah Washington... Sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's running. he's running five miles in fifty minutes. That man yes. is carved from stone, yes. right? But I'm sorry, other guy, TR Knight. Other guy. <laughs> other guy. George O'Malley, you do not run a 10-minute mile, and you don't run five 10-minute miles. I refuse. I refuse. I say this as a person who runs a solid 14-minute mile, and that's my first mile. <laughs> there isn't a second mile. But if there was... It wouldn't be 14 minutes.
1: (laughs) You know how I know he can't run a 10 minute mile? You know how I know? Because he plays the fucking clarinet. Okay. People who play the clarinet, the Venn diagram is just two circles next to each other of people who play the clarinet and people who run sub 12 minute miles. Like those circles don't even fucking touch each other. Okay. Yeah. So we just know that that's made up and you know that Burke is like slowing down. Although he
0: has breath control. I guess <sighs> with the clarinet.
1: I don't know, man.
2: <laughs> Patrice looks unconvinced. Yeah, utterly unconvinced. I think it was apparent to me that George was probably running at least one mile behind Burke. <laughs> right. Burke ran the five miles, waited at the door mm-hmm. for George to catch up. Yeah. He yeah. He was like, I'll, "I'll give you the benefit of the doubt
0: right now." Anyway, that's that's a real tan- tangent that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not at all. But I feel like I could write many verses about how gross and disheveled George looks <laughs> yeah. when he comes back from this run. And I'm just like, how is it that you found a way to look while sweating, like you already are sweaty all the time, right? But somehow now
1: it's just ten times it's worse. escalated. How and Why? It's like a his eye when he comes back? <laughs> I don't want. I just don't understand. Yes, and he's and and he like then makes the choice to cut his own hair. Maybe this is before the run. And somebody, one of y'all made the point that like somehow his hair looked worse when he cut it. It looks worse. You yeah. know? And that's oh, kind absolutely. of like, and it's the sad mm-hmm. moment where, like, he's looking in the mirror and everybody's, I mean, I certainly have had my fair share of emotional haircuts, okay? But I go to a professional, <laughs> like, a grown-ass sad yeah. person and they cut it for me, yeah. okay? I don't look in the mirror at my job with, like, a <laughs> desktop shears and cut my bangs, <laughs> you know? Like, there's this great moment where... <laughs> Alex sees George, and he's like, "What's up with the Mally's hair? It looks like a hobbit." It's like so true, and it had really nothing to do with the haircut. I was like, he just is very yes. hobbit-like.
0: George O'Malley has big hobbit energy. Yeah. If I could uh, yeah. describe him yes. as having any energy, it's big hobbit energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk about one of our storylines. We can get it out of the way really quickly, which is Callie and George. <sighs> I like. Is just, that the end?
1: Is that it? <laughs> All right. It. So our that's
2: next storyline. Moving on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's just like no believable attraction between them. No. Yeah.
1: There's really And not. they're not.
0: And it's like, I think, you know, Megan brought up a really good point in her notes because, okay, so uh, George and Callie are working on a hockey teen who has absolutely shattered his finger. It's super disgusting. But he refuses to not play in, like, the state championships that afternoon or whatever. So he cuts his own fucking finger off so he can play, then brings the finger in and is like, it's no big deal. I looked up directions on the internet. It's fine, right? And Megan made the really great point that the show is so good at building romantic and sexual tension between characters that it's almost as if the show doesn't actually want us to buy Callie and George. And I think a great bit of evidence to support that thesis is that they don't even get a sexy first case together. They get just a gross, (laughs) boring, gross case. There's nothing hot about their time working together at all.
1: Nothing.
2: (laughs) I think for me, what this does is solidify this idea of Callie as someone who likes gnarly things or like she's an adrenaline junkie. Like I think her sole attraction to George right now is the fact that he is heart in the elevator guy.
0: Yeah. Right. But she doesn't know that spiritually he's not heart in the elevator guy. Right. Well, and I think that
1: George (laughs) is so broken post Meredith because he's a baby who can't get over anything that he like Callie is intellectually turned on by this heart in the elevator guy. And Callie is like, fundamentally opposite to meredith even though she's not really but like her you know her affect and her appearance and things Mm. like that is so different from meredith and he's like yeah, I'm going to be with somebody who's badass and likes adrenaline and it's like we all know you can't handle that. We all know you couldn't handle Meredith and we all know you can't handle anything at all. And so I think that like they're they're both like in it for totally the wrong reasons, but the only issue is is that Callie doesn't know it's the wrong reasons, you know? And so it just feels like you're like trying to mash two puzzle pieces together that do not fit. And nobody's buying it, right? And like even I could imagine even people who really love George i could feel i feel like they don't truly believe it like even if they're kind of like oh yeah george gets a shot right like they're not really buying it in the way that like they do when Derek whispers in meredith's ear you know like (laughs) Mm -hmm. because they know how Mm -hmm. to build that shit like they know how to. they could have written callie and george in a way that was convincing to us and they chose not to do that
0: So who do we want to, who do we want to talk about next? Do we want to, should we just get Denny out of the way? Cause he's also boring. <sighs> we'll save the good stuff. Yes. We'll save Sylvia for last. Maybe the only okay. interesting yeah. case. Part of what drags this episode down is that the medical cases are unbelievably dull, both medically and emotionally. Yes, There's like no meat on any of these cases, but let's, uh, let's get Mrs. Gibson out of the way. Maybe even before Denny. Oh, sure. Because sure. The purpose of this case was really just to bring the character of Addison Montgomery Shepherd to her lowest
2: possible
1: point. Oh my god!
2: <laughs> it really is at every moment in this episode. She's the saddest you've ever seen her. It's literal tears welling in the eyes, sad puppy, right? Addison, and it's- but also
0: like sad as in pathetic
1: too. Like it's just. Pitiful. She's pitiful in this episode. But, like, don't you think that's kind of interesting? Because it's calling to mind that, like, when we were just talking about the first time we see her, right? And she's, like, the, you know, bitch in black coming down from Manhattan in the heels. And she rolls in in that coat. And you can just remember that scene so clearly. And everybody was just like, (gasps) you know, like, holy shit. She is such a fucking badass. And she comes in and she has that confrontation with Meredith in that episode. And it's like... Seeing her in this episode that we're talking about today is like, she's like the shell of, you know, she's like the the exfoliated skin of that person, you know, like there's just nothing left in her. She's just totally hollowed out. And it's, like, I think it's really striking. Like, it's not striking to see Meredith sad because that's, like, a fundamental part of her identity. But I think that we see Addison as this, like, super sharp, super powerful, super driven, like, fearless woman who's, like, maybe fragile on the inside. But, like, we don't see her as as deeply vulnerable as we do in this episode. And I think it's, like, incredibly (laughs) off-putting. You know, I think it's, like, really, really painful to watch.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's she's – craving any kind of desire right because Derek has no interest in her really anymore and so she's seeking it out from this really mediocre husband who flirts with her and tells her that she looks like a young Catherine Deneuve
2: I mean you bear a striking resemblance to a young Catherine Deneuve
0: he's a creep right there's nothing remarkable about him whatsoever he stutters he stammers he's like adult George Yeah, and Addison's like entire day is hanging on him continuing this bizarre little flirtation and man it's a
2: bummer. (laughs) Yeah I totally agree. I think that you know like you were saying Megan we built up Addison to be this supremely confident person and I think that this is the way that the writers are trying to give her layers but it's done in such a completely pathetic way like showing us that she is soft that she has those insecurities which I think we could pretty much discern from her cheating with Mark like she was so desperate for for Derek's attention that she went on and got it from someone else and so I think through this character Mr. Gibson who's just like so flat he's just like such a one note creep and also so inappropriate (laughs) yeah If I was Addison and not feeling desperate, I would pull myself from the case. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, it's so uncomfortable. She even says, I'm talking to you about your wife who's having your baby. Yeah. And you're legitimately continuing to hit on me. And she just acquiesces because she's like, oh, I think I need this right now. Right. Oh, thank God. That's such a good point, Patrice. That, like, the show
0: is kind of insulting us, insulting our intelligence with the storyline of, like, yeah, we didn't really need this literal of a display of it's very
1: heavy-handed
0: <laughs> it's very very heavy-handed like yeah we we got it we understand there are some insecurities
1: here and, shit yeah and we're i think we're savvy that, like, television watching <laughs> right <laughs> and i think that there's like there it's also heavy-handed in the way that like it's heavy-handed for her to have these interactions with mr gibson but it's also like we're constantly having to watch Addison watch other people be desired, right? Like in the beginning, it's like she has to watch sort of, you know, Derek seek out meredith in this friendship right even though it's not totally clear whether she knows about that but like it's right in front of her and then at the end mr gibson like goes through this whole creepy thing with her over and over again and then there's that like awful moment where she goes in after the baby is born Uh and she touches she like looks at her reflection and fixes her hair before she goes in and walks Uh in and he's cooing over the baby and it's like okay we know right like it's like not only is her sadness heavy-handed but like that we need to be led so clearly down this path that like nobody fucking wants Addison is like we know like we are all here together like we don't need to to see this like blatant over-the-top sadness like it's I don't know it it didn't really do anything for me beyond just feeling like you know uh, like it just I don't know I guess it just felt overall really unnecessary to me
2: yeah, and I think even more so. I mean, this is just another example of a case that is really about Derek and Addison's marriage, including the Bookers, yep. uh, who we'll get to later. Yeah, but just that scene where Addison goes in to talk to Derek to say, "Oh, <sighs> this patient told me that I look like Catherine Deneuve." <laughs> you don't know who Catherine Deneuve is?
1: An actress, French, hot. One of my patients, her husband, actually, uh, said I looked
2: like her. <laughs> Isn't she blonde?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, Okay, you're busy.
2: He's just so dense that he can't even take a moment <laughs> to look at his wife. I'm a terrible person. I laughed so oh, hard. how thanks. can you not?
0: <laughs> what a burn. <laughs> Wasn't she blonde? <laughs> Jeez,
2: what a dick! Oh, he's such an asshole. <sighs> Which I noted. I looked up Catherine, or not Catherine, Kate Walsh. Does look like Catherine Deneuve? Yeah. it's
0: uncanny. It's actually crazy. Yeah, I looked at. I looked her up after you told me that, and I was like, oh shit!
1: I do totally see does. that. <laughs> Totally. But But again, like, even in that (laughs) moment between Derek and Addison, they're intentionally destroying the chemistry between them, right? Like, they're intentionally trying to show us that, like, this married couple who are fighting for their marriage, despite the fact that they have both cheated on each other, we want to demonstrate to you that they have zero chemistry by him being like, wasn't she blonde? You know, like, that's. (laughs) I think that that's, like, such intentional writing in terms of chemistry. Um, And I think that it's, like, you know, I think we're all like super receptive to that. We're like, oh, this is yeah. over. <laughs> like, yeah. This is so over. And that's the whole Meredith. Gibson case. That's the whole Gibson case. Literally nothing else happens outside yeah. of what no, we have described.
0: That's it. That's it. Right. It's about as useless as the next case, which is Danny DeKat.
2: <laughs> Wait, can we go back for a second? Just yes. because this is something that relates to this Gibson case. But that scene, and maybe we'll talk about it in a minute where Derek and Meredith are talking and Derek sees Addison talking to Mr. Gibson oh, and yeah. laughing and genuinely being sort of like happy, even though it's a little pathetic. And he's so angry yes. that she's deriving any sort of pleasure yes. <laughs> from anyone showing her attention. Yes.
0: It's just, God forbid she experience any joy in life. Like, I because know. She cheated on him. <laughs> I know. It's like Yeah, it was bad, but like, She's still a human person. <laughs> and and you noted, the the Patrice noted, the really quick um, uh, attitude, like the total change in Derek's affect. And that's something that happens so consistently with Derek and Meredith. And it's so yes. incredibly off-putting. It's such a red flag in their relationship that, like, when he goes cold, it's just the worst. Like, he and Meredith are sitting there, you know, having a, a cute, flirty conversation. He sees Addison enjoying herself in some capacity (laughs) and all of a sudden he's Meredith's boss again asking, you know, did you get, did you get Mrs. Booker's scans back? Right. And it's just like, Oh, it's so petty. And he does it so often.
1: He does. And I, and I know we'll get to this bit later, but I, I was like stealing myself for him to do that with Meredith when she finally admits Mm. to the George thing. Right. Like I didn't remember that Derek actually had empathy for Meredith in that moment because I think we're all conditioned to Derek encountering any sort of conflict or any sort of you know bump in the road to what has been expected from him and he just like completely revolts against it um, and I think yeah. that like, it was actually really refreshing when we, and we'll, like I said, we'll get there, but to, to see him have a little bit more humanity and patience for Meredith when she has, you know, expresses vulnerability to him because we're just so used to it. I think that the affect changing, and he also acts that so convincingly, right? Like, I think that those yeah. are some moments when like, he's really a very good actor is sort of when he can, when he can do that. It's just like, it like sends chills down my back when I see him change his affect like that. Cause it feels so real to me.
0: Yeah, so let's let's chat about Denny a little bit, uh, very briefly. <laughs> Patrice was really the only one who can muster much, much in the way of notes about Which Denny. Most of
2: my notes were just, can
0: we not? <laughs> do we have to? Do we have to do this? So he's engaged in, you know, he's he and Alex are competing in the toxic masculinity Olympics. It sucks. It just sucks. They're having a dick, a dick measuring contest over Izzy, and uh, Alex pretty definitively loses yeah <laughs> I would say ultimately but but he he does get in a moment where he, you know he sort of lords it over karev that he or oh, excuse me karev lords it over denny that he and uh is here like a thing and there is a moment as much as i i dislike denny i'm like way to just like gloat over like a a Barely not corpse. Like, <laughs> right,
2: like,
0: good job, Alex. You want
2: to get to dying man? Yes.
0: Congrats. This guy has exactly one thing going for him in his life, and you just shit on it. <laughs> you're looking. You're looking mighty fine
2: there, Karev. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which to to come to Alex's defense, I just feel like Denny is so smug. Yeah. Every interaction oh, yeah. that he has with a is he I just want to smack him yeah. yeah like if I was in the room I would smack him I don't care if he's dying or
0: not yeah you want to cut his LVAD wires for like very different reasons right you know <laughs> those are spoilers spoilers <laughs> the audience is like what's an LVAD wire don't worry about it
1: everything works out fine <laughs> Yeah, and there really, like, isn't much to report on it, right? Like, Izzy kind of yells at Alex, and Alex is like, you get too involved with your patients. And everyone in the audience ever was like, yes, that is true, (laughs) you know? And, like, and that's kind of it. And, like, Denny has to decide whether he wants life-saving surgery. And his rationale is, like, not really even that he wants to live. It's because he doesn't really like hospitals. And, like, I feel that. Nobody loves hospitals, but, like, you know, I just – I guess I just don't – again, it's, like, not super believable. Like, it just makes you kind of hate him.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right. I feel like mostly it's not believable because it's not like they're saying, if you leave, you get to go climb Mount Everest – Right. It's like you're going to die when you leave this hospital or you right. can have life-saving <laughs> surgery,
1: which means you'll have to be here for a little bit. Like it's not like you're going to live right. your life in the hospital. Like you're going to be here for like a month.
0: <laughs> where where are the psych evals in this hospital? Yes. Denny needs a psych eval. Hockey Teen needs a psych eval.
2: And a
1: social worker. <laughs> Someone needs to call Child Protective Services for that guy. I
2: do with more Raj. That's his name, right? Yeah. 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 Where the fuck is Raj?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Where is Raj? (laughs) That's a
1: great question.
0: Jesus, man, Raj. (laughs) He should be a regular on this series.
1: Yeah, he's pretty annoying, but we need him. Um. So I really have nothing else to talk about with Denny. Yeah.
0: Yeah, right. Oh, like we're we're bro. done on Denny. We're going to get into Denny pretty heavily in these next few episodes yeah. foreshadowing. Um but that brings us to our last patient case of the episode which is Sylvia Booker and mm-hmm. her husband. yes you know, want to just give us a quick rundown about uh about how they end up in the hospital?
1: Patrice, uh, why don't you tell us a little I'll, bit I'll about the Bookers? One.
0: I'll
2: take that. One. <laughs> yeah. The Bookers are a lovely couple. <laughs> Probably in their 50s, maybe in their 60s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sylvia Booker is played by the incomparable Natalie Cole. Please cut to any Natalie Cole song now. <laughs> I got it, thank you, you a for the break. cue. And they come in, and Kyle Booker, the husband, is covering his penis with ice. And we think, oh, this this is a pretty simple case of something gone wrong. <laughs> and then we pan to Sylvia Booker's neck, which has a fucking fork in it. <laughs> and the way that she got that fork in her neck is that she was giving her husband a little fillet, <laughs> and he stabbed her with that fork. <laughs> When she clamped down on his penis. <laughs> and I immediately thought of, Trisa always says that <laughs> blowjobs are so powerful because at any moment you could clamp down on a penis. You just, yeah. And I just really think that you should <laughs> rethink this stance based on this case. Because I would not be okay with someone stabbing me in the neck. No. While no. I was giving them...
0: Pleasure. You wouldn't want like the sweet potato treatment <laughs> by your partner <laughs> during a sex act. It's not that's not one of your kinks.
1: <laughs> Noted.
2: Really not. Even if you sparkle your eyes at me. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: It's um. It's quite the chain of events. Uh. I think one thing for me is that she. I think a key part of the story is that, as far as I can tell, she went down on him in public. Yeah. that's Like kind she of how they went tell under the a table at a restaurant. And
1: I just, do people do that? Is that a thing? I I don't don't think think that's a thing. thing. I mean, she really gives no shit. So she's, lo and behold, what we learn is that she has clamped down because she has an aneurysm that's clearly impacting her, you know. Actions and and yeah, and, and,
0: and we get to that information. If I can excuse you for just, yes, like please, please, for just please. one second, we get to that information because the doctors are trying to figure out why she might have like seized in this way, right? And they're like, ah, well, I, well, we don't know, so weird. Huh? <laughs> She's not willing
2: to give up that information. <laughs> and
0: then, and then, like, as the doctors are kind of like ready to leave, right? Um, then the husband is like. It may have something to do with her brain aneurysm. <laughs> dun, dun,
2: dun. <laughs>
0: what the fuck? And Meredith looks at the chart and Derek looks at her and she's like, No, it's it's not here. And I was like, What the fuck? Anyway, I'm sorry.
1: No. Please continue. And and it's great because Sylvia is like, oh no, no it's not that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, be, no. couldn't possibly couldn't be. be that. <clears throat> no.
1: Right. I think I think this is unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> coincidence <laughs> right purely purely and the whole thing is that like she she's sort of you know it's an inoperable aneurysm or supposedly or whatever and and we're supposed to believe that she sort of has this new lease on life with her mortality right mm-hmm. and she's like her you know she was sleepwalking and now she's awake and her you know she has her husband back for the first time in a dozen years or whatever it is and and i think that it's sort of like yes like, I believe that. And I believe that, like, of, when you find out you're dying, like, you know, you do have a new lease on life. But I don't know that a new lease on life allows you to give below jobs in restaurants. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that that's like a. <laughs> I just find that, like, I just don't think that happens. <laughs> like, I just don't. <laughs>
2: It really wouldn't be top on my list if I found out. Right, I right. I'm like, there's that's many other
1: things right. on my bucket list. I mean, maybe they were like in the bathroom or something, but they really made it sound like they were at the table. But, you know, yeah. I will say that it is, you know, she and, and she has clearly come around to her mortality much faster than her husband, which I have to believe is, mm. you know, reasonable and realistic and, and, and whatnot. Um and of course, the second you hear or the second Derek and Meredith hear the words inoperable aneurysm, they just like you know, they latch onto it and they wanna look at it and they wanna see it and they, you know, believe that they can do it. And of fucking course they do and they can. And and um and Sylvia sort of takes some convincing, right? The husband's like immediately sort of latched on to the idea, but I guess I want to know, like, what do you guys make of that, right? Like, do you think that it would be hard to convince her to have that surgery? Or, like, do you think that she really doesn't want it? Or do you think she does it for her husband? Or, like, I'm just not quite sure what to make of that. Um, You know, sort of uh, of that, I don't know, of Derek trying to convince her and why she does or why she doesn't want it. I don't know.
2: I think for me that it's not convincing that Derek would have convinced her when she had already made up her mind. She had said, you know, we've seen four other doctors mm-hmm. and been devastated when they said they couldn't operate it. And what makes you think that you're some sort of hot shot the who's not going to eyes, the sparkly. Fucking sparkly eyes, who's not gonna kill me? And I think that if my goal was to go to Paris, be with my husband and live out my days happily... Or the other option is you might bleed out and die on this table. Yeah. That I probably wouldn't take the operation. Yeah. 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 Because there's just no guarantee. Especially right. when you've already had several other people who are qualified say it's inoperable. Yeah. Right. Right. It's It's really tough and it gets
0: more complicated. Like, you know, initially it's like, oh, she has such a healthy attitude. You know, she's like, I just, I... I woke up, you know, after years and years of being asleep and, but then, you know, Derek kind of talks to her a little bit more about it and it, it kind of goes to an uncomfortable place for me where she's like, she describes herself as being, you know, like a house dress.
2: You're not having the surgery because of the medical risks. No, I'm not having it because, because for the first time in 12 years, I have a great marriage and I have a life and I want to live it. You, You have weeks. If this surgery is successful, you're looking at decades.
1: I don't think you understand.
2: I'm not crazy and I don't want to die, but I don't want to go back to being Kyle's bed warmer in a full length flannel nightgown. Can you understand
0: that? You know, like her husband doesn't even, you know, didn't even look at her. And then, yeah. then all of this happened and her life became a matter of weeks rather than decades. And suddenly they're more in love than they've ever have been. They're fucking all the time. And it's like, there's kind of this weird thing where it's like, are you, she's, it's almost like she doesn't want to be operated on because she might then have years or decades with her husband and she doesn't want to go back to what they were before. Right. Um, and there's the possibility that like when her husband has her, the possibility of sleeping with her for the next Three decades, there's not going to be that same urgency anymore, and, and that made me really sad for Sylvia. Yeah, uh, and it also was like, yeah, that that is. I think it is. um I think it must be difficult to reach a place of acceptance that your life is going to end sooner rather than later. Get ready to go do all of these exciting things because who the fuck cares anymore? And then have to make a choice about whether you want to stick around and deal with all of the mundane boring frustrating shit of life. I I don't know. Like I I sort of get that in in a very like morbid way and like yeah, I, like I feel you, Sylvia. That's
1: that's real. You know, I think it's really interesting because I think that um Derek is is obviously very convincing and compelling with the sparkle eyes and whatnot, um, but I think it's really interesting <laughs> that all three of us really do empathize with or sympathize rather with, with with Sylvia's you know hesitation, you know, and I think that and I think that's a really good point because I hadn't I hadn't sort of put my finger on on how sad it is and how worried she is, you know, because I think that they're such a sweet couple, right. They're clearly like so in love and it's so like, it's so obvious. And he is so, he loves her so much and they, you can really sort of feel that. Um, and then it's, it's almost like a betrayed relationship, right? Like you think they have this awesome relationship and then being sort of forced to look at it for, for what it really was for the last 10 years or whatever. And I think, um, I don't know. I think that that's like a really, I think that's a really, really valuable point. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, I think that it's, again, it's a testament to, like, the writing on the show that it, like, really puts you in sort of this moral crux of, like, oh, yeah, maybe I wouldn't. Like, maybe I wouldn't, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that this show, like, constantly asks us to do that, right? Like, would, you know, puts us in these sort of impossible decisions that would never happen in, in real life. But um, but you kind of wonder what you would do, right? And we're we're all sort of like, yeah, maybe I wouldn't. Like, maybe I wouldn't take that risk. Maybe I wouldn't want that fifth opinion.
0: But also, it seems like the three of us are agreed that we wouldn't have public blowjobs as a priority.
1: <laughs> right. 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 Regardless That's of it. the promises. I think, yeah. I think that was the aneurysm <laughs> talking. <if> I'm
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 You know. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think also, once Derek had convinced me to operate, I might take a good hard look at my marriage and think, maybe I should go to Paris by myself. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: that's
0: right. Again, Sylvia needs some mental health resources. I know. Where's Raj? Where was Raj? Where was Raj? For that discussion, why was Derek having it with her? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So those are those are cases. Are there any other um, sort of odds and ends from? from the main storylines that we that we want to hit up or
1: yeah you know the one thing that i want to talk about before we sort of get into the the m m here at the end is um so this whole time this friendship this guise of friendship that meredith and Derek are are sort of under is um Meredith has has sort of admitted to doing something really, really horrible to to Derek, but she refuses to tell him what it is because of Derek's like pretty crappy track record of dealing with bad news. Um, And the bad thing, of course, is that Meredith has just slept with George Um, and he sort of, you know needling her the whole episode like tell me tell me tell me and she's like no 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 um and there's this moment at the end and and i like i said before like i was really ready for him to be a giant fucking baby about it um and she says you know like good friends are there for each other during you know during hard times and what i'm gonna tell you is is going to you're going to need to be my friend and not my more than friend which is like just like c- confirms that, like, they're not actually friends. They're like, if you have friends. to call it out and be like, you can't be my boyfriend here, like, that's that means that he's not just your friend, right? Like, if you have to tell him which person he needs to be. And she tells him that, um, that she slept with George and, and he's clearly like, it's again that like facial acting that he does, that sort of like physical, um, change that he does like so 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 beautifully and you can tell he's upset and then he gives her really beautiful advice to i mean aside from the fact that he's gonna like lock you know to lock george in the elevator but like i I, it's like the only plot twist of this entire episode yeah it really is
0: actually gives like sensitive advice
1: yeah i know
0: freaking out
1: i know and it was like really really refreshing i i found it like a, a pretty moving moment of like wow like Friendships are important, and like nobody gives. I don't know. Like it it was just like a really nice thing for me.
2: (laughs) I don't know if you guys felt that way. Be friends, yeah,
1: yeah. Without the air quotations, yeah. I I I did feel that way
0: because I was like Megan, where I had remembered the ending differently. I had projected a different response onto Derek, which was his typical like, well you shouldn't have done that. And then just walked away and didn't talk to her for a couple of months. Right. Right. So it was, I was charmed or I was moved by his response, but then I was also interested, Patrice in your like reading of that moment too, which I hadn't really considered because I was so wrapped up in like my surprise at Derek being decent and not an asshole. But you raised the point that it was, it's bad. Actually both of you did that. It was still bad advice because everyone is still operating under the false premise that Meredith and Meredith alone did something terrible. Right. And it's like, yeah, sleeping with George was bad because George is embarrassing and it's embarrassing that you had sex with him.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> but right. that's
0: not what people
2: mean when they say you did a bad thing, Meredith, right? Right. <laughs> right. I think, you know, earlier in the episode when the interns are having lunch with each other and everyone's kind of upset with each other. Izzy is upset with Alex and everyone's leaving the table. Um, Meredith says, it takes two to make a stupid sexual decision. Yeah. Which is so true. Like, And nobody George fucking listens to her. Decision <laughs> everyone's to like, have ah. sex with her, and not think about the fact that, oh, she almost got blown up a little while ago. <laughs> right. Her mom has Alzheimer's. She has to see her ex and his wife on a daily basis. This seems like a good time for us to start our relationship. Right. And, like,
1: what the fuck has George just... been through? Nothing. Nothing.
2: <laughs> well, that haircut now, that's pretty right. traumatic. It's very traumatic. I also think my reading of Derek in this was different than maybe both of you. Yeah. I just felt like all of his needling of Meredith... He, It just felt to me like he was waiting to be appalled. He just wanted to know so badly, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? And he was poking, which was so annoying to me Mm -hmm. because I was like, a real friend would respect their friend's boundaries when they said that they didn't want to talk about it with you. Right. Right. But he didn't do that. Right. Yeah. Because they're not friends. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I guess that's,
0: this is when I'm like, your notes, like, basically you read me for Phil's because I'm just a needler. So that so it didn't even <laughs> register to me as a bad thing because if a friend was like, yeah, I did something bad. I would not fucking rest yeah. until I knew exactly what the yeah. bad thing is that they did. I'm a nosy so bitch. Then, we- <laughs> yes. oh, like give it to me. I want that. cheese. May like just inject yeah. it directly into my veins. So when, when I saw Patrice's notes, I was like, wow, What an ethical, intentional person. (laughs) That's so true. That's so true.
2: Is that grounded Virgo in me? Yes. Oh, God. And I'm a Scorpio bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And even though I feel like Derek did recover with his advice, even though I think it was still terrible advice, there was that moment where he was really appalled. He was like, oh, yeah. Wait, what the fuck did you just say? Yeah. His face completely falls. Yeah. And I'm so glad that he did recover because like you, Megan, I didn't remember it. And like you, Teresa, I definitely thought, fuck, he's going to blow up. Yeah. He's going to ruin this fake friendship. (laughs) They're not going to
1: get to have sex for even longer now. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. Well, and you know what I'm realizing that it's triggering for me is, is, in right when Addison shows up and Meredith goes through like a slew of men like she's sleeping with everybody (laughs) and they have this interaction in the hallway where Derek has clearly heard this is early on in season two I think um, and Derek has clearly heard that she's been sleeping around and he fucking like real like just like completely loses it at Meredith and and, and that's like, I think that that's what I was remembering, right? Like I'm remembering that like over, and he calls her a slut or a whore or something oh, like that. Yeah. And it's just this We're confusing awful, the two, I think, yeah, yeah. I think I really was. And she's like, you don't get to call me a whore. Like you had a wife, yeah. like blah, blah, blah. And it's this like really, really painful interaction. And I think that I had thought that that was this episode, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it is like a, it's, I think that like, it's probably intentional that those two episodes live in the same season because they're trying to show that Derek is growing. Right. And I think that like, yes. we can finish off by talking about this. Um, And, and I actually kind of glossed over it. And I think that the two of you actually picked up on it much more than I did, but the the resolution that we see with Derek um, for this like growth that he's having is like, he has sort of a, a kind interaction with his friend Meredith. And then, um, and then his, his apology to Addison, um, mm-hmm. where he sort of apologizes for how he's treated her most recently, but even, you know, when they were still in New York when she slept with Mark, um, that he didn't see her, right? He apologizes for for not seeing her and not caring for her and, and sort of being, like, you know borderline permissible for her behavior or toward her behavior.
0: Yeah. He describes himself as being indifferent. Yeah. And then he, he thinks about it for a moment and he says an absent. Yeah. And really, truly indifference can be, I mean, it can be so, Mm -hmm. so devastating and so wounding. Yeah. And so he takes his own advice, right? He takes the advice that he gave to Meredith and he goes home to his wife and he apologizes. And it's a real apology yeah it's not like i'm sorry you feel hurt it's like i'm sorry i hurt you with my indifference yeah um and it's also an acknowledgement of like i'm i'm trying i'm working on it right? right right and it's it's just it's a it is a really it is a really nice moment it, it does represent growth um it it promises a Movement for Addison, which is great because whew, yeah, she's just been spinning her wheels. Um, but it 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 demonstrates certainly like a vulnerability and maturity that we haven't gotten from Derek yet. Yeah, and and it, and I really appreciated that. And I you know I mentioned in my notes that I can, I really struggle, I can struggle to apologize, mm-hmm. and it's something that. I find comes really easily with my students. Like it's very easy for me to take myself out of the moment moment and apologize to a student as a way of like diffusing a situation. Right. And I've been working really hard to like bring that home with me. Yeah. But like, I should be able to do that in, in situations outside of just with my students. Right. I should be able to step aside and be intentional in accepting that I've done someone harm or done someone wrong, and it's it was cool to see Derek do that. I was like, oof. Well, especially because he was how careful he's being. Like, I feel that. I feel like
1: I've I've given this apology before. Well, and because he's so fucking cocky, you know. Like, I think it's like yeah. really, you know, like we don't need to see meredith apology right like apologize her whole life is like one apology you know and i think that like yeah i you know like i think that like but seeing somebody like Derek, who's like so successful and 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 carries so much power and he clearly carries so much power in his relationship with addison in this episode that seeing him recognize that like to relinquish that power and, and say like I, you know, like, I don't blame you for... He doesn't entirely say, I don't blame you for sleeping with Mark, but recognizing that, like, his action or inaction, as you're pointing out, really played a role in, in her decision. And and I think that that's, like, a really, really powerful... Um, a really powerful thing to watch. Yeah. yeah,
2: Yeah. Yeah, this scene felt really important to me, just because it seemed like he had taken so long to get to this point. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember a few episodes ago, maybe it was when Mark came... And when Meredith was sort of finding out that her mom was ha- had an affair with someone and she asked him, why do people cheat mm. and asked him if he had been a bad husband yeah. and he said, I was absent. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He used that exact word. Yeah. yeah. And so to, for him to then come back mm. and have thought about it right. and actually be able to voice that to Addison now felt like such a, powerful moment i was just like i had to give it like a little round of applause like way to own your shit yeah. yeah and that i feel like it was very purposeful that the writers used that specific term absent to go back to that right that he'd maybe been thinking about it since that conversation with meredith previously
1: yeah it's yeah. like a little easter egg Ooh, i didn't pick up on that callback. yeah seriously yeah. yeah yeah that's really great uh yeah, I thought it was a really, it was a really pleasant ending to what was otherwise sort of a, a like a painful episode in like lots of yeah. different ways, you know. But it was like, oh, this is not at all where I expected to see the resolution in this episode. Right. Um, yeah. Which it I had exactly
0: nice. one trick up its sleeve. Yeah. And it was a good one. Yeah. It was a good trick. Yeah. <laughs> it
2: was yeah. Good trick. yeah. Uh, can we just quickly touch on Christina and how she did no surgical things <laughs> oh my God. in this episode? She, she just watched Bailey's terrible baby. Yeah, yeah. I just felt so pissed for her the entire time. Yeah, it's
1: yeah. Terrible. And it's I really gotta sad. say, like, as you know, as our, our our you know listeners know, we sort of watch these episodes individually in advance and then and then talk about them, you know, live here. But I felt like when I was watching it, and the chief sort of gives Bailey a hard time about bringing her baby to work, I was like immediately like on his side with that. Um. And I had to check myself of like, oh, man, like, is that the right side? Like, should I be more on Bailey's side? Like, it's very hard to be a working mother. And she's, you know, like, you know, and and I had to sort of like check myself on it. And I was like, I was really curious to see how you all felt about that. Um, If you were going to come down sort of like on the side of and and obviously like the perfect area somewhere in the middle, like, you know, it shouldn't be as demanding as it is, but I was really relieved to see that you guys were both like, "Why did she bring her fucking baby to her job? <laughs> we're like, "What the fuck was the plan <laughs> it just here?" Shows right. how
2: we feel about babies. Yeah, which I, I for sure much, like, I think that's true. But I'm
0: also babies. like, I'm also like, it's a hospital. There is a daycare. Yeah, there is, there is for a fact for absolute certainty there is
1: a daycare But and she says well, she like say she says oh full. the daycare is full and I'm like that can't be a thing like there's no, no way that that's a thing <laughs> like you don't for like a that baby is really small the daycare is like full? there is room for it. that baby <laughs> you know <laughs> anyway and and I do think for me it was like it's like very jarring to to like, disagree with something that Dr. Bailey is doing. You know, like, I (laughs) think that that's, like, I think that that's also where part of the check came in for me of, like, wait, but it's Bailey, so maybe it's fine. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And, like, Weber's kind of a dick in some of the early episodes. Um, But, like, it's like really inappropriate and she just like like yeah. you know, and her baby's brand new, right? Like that baby's a couple yeah. of months old, you know. Another and the
2: reason why it should not be in the hospital. Exactly. Right. It has a like, lowered immune system. Everything
1: is right. wrong like, with is it. And then she has to like choice. watch I mean, a she multi. Gives it to Yang. Yeah, yeah. And I just it. she
0: gives him to Yang.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Um and I think that we can all appreciate like that Yang ultimately stands up for herself at the end to Bailey. And like I kind of I think we all kind of I won't speak for y'all, but, like, I think that, like, I certainly wanted her to, like, maybe be a little bit sassier about it or to, like, really sort of, like, give a good Yang lecture. But her, like, exhaustion of one half day of parenthood was, like, oh, that's all that Yang can muster is, like, please don't ever ask me to do this again.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's right. I'm not a babysitter. And
1: Bailey concedes. She's, like, okay, understood. You know? Like, I think Bailey knows that she, you know had her hands tied she also but, like, doesn't
0: apologize though no she doesn't oh, no, apologize no. and that and that angered me yeah. like she's or a say, little she you. seems a little bit bitchy when she says okay mm-hmm. and i'm like no you're in the wrong here yeah. what yeah anyway
1: yeah. yeah
0: yeah that's it i just wanted to touch up
1: on <laughs> no we didn't even <laughs> no, talk about that, that. we did wildly inappropriate well, i'm glad we did it was so
0: unprofessional and, and so wrong
1: I, 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 I well, is Patrice- just like I think you really have a point that like having an entire episode where where Yang is not allowed to practice medicine is like deeply frustrating. I would love to watch an episode where... Christ, or, um, Izzy and George are not allowed to practice medicine, right? Like that would be a great episode. Um, and Izzy doesn't really even, she's like passively engaged in her career as a physician in general. Um, but that's I think it's really true. frustrating because it's like that's she's actually really good at that and like watching her not do that is like frustrating as a viewer. Um, and again, I think they're yeah. asking us to like sit in that, right? They being the writers, like sit in what it must feel like to be her where she can't do this thing that she loves and she's forced to do the thing that she actually hates more than anything else.
2: Yeah. Right, and yeah. she's so frustrated by it that when Callie comes to get George to operate on the hockey guy, she's like, "Me, yeah, I'll take any surgery right. you give me. I don't care what it is, right. even lowly um, ortho." Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, oh man. Well, Patrice, do you want to introduce yeah. our yeah. Uh, our next little section here? Oh
2: yeah, a new section on the pod. <laughs> It used to be the bits. The bits
1: (laughs) The Bits
2: (laughs) I actually kind of like the bits. But that's besides the point. We're renaming the bits. (laughs) The new section is called the M and M. So morbidity and mortality. So later in I don't even remember what season it is. Twelve. But they hold yeah. (laughs) It's a, Many years, it's a solid decade
1: away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> they hold an M M&M and M about some case that went wrong. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good episode. Yeah, I can't anyway, wait yeah, till we yeah, get Yeah, it's there. a good episode. Uh, so regularly, I learned that hospitals' doctors hold M and Ms to review their cases and talk about things that went wrong. But also, we're going to talk about things that went right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the new name for the bits, the M and M's. Yeah, we've got new, we've got new sections, right? Yeah. So yeah. our first one, we we threw this out uh, when we first started the the podcast, I think, and we just dropped it immediately. Um, but it was the teardrop ranking. Um, I gave this, I gave this negative raindrops. It was a drought, actually. <laughs> teardrops. I felt no stirrings of emotion. Yeah, negative negative teardrops. I felt no stirrings of emotion aside from the whispers that I got in my crotchal regions when Derek <laughs> was sparkling.
1: Yeah, man, this was just, this episode, again, like, really kind of mediocre. I gave one sympathy teardrop to Addison. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> because well, that was
0: really kind of she you. She was yeah.
1: so sad. I just, you guys, the moment that she fixes her hair in that reflection, I just, like, <laughs> it was, I, and it's not really even a That's sad teardrop it's, teardrop. it's like a pathetic, it's a pathetic teardrop. <laughs> And that's, yeah. that's tough. So I gave it a sympathy like one tear drop. It's of
0: anxiety sweat right. is actually more right. what it was. Right,
1: right, right.
2: <laughs> Patrice, what you got? Uh, zero out of five tears. <laughs> yeah. I just felt nothing about really any of the patients. I did say that I felt a little sad for Heath, the mm. hockey player, just because he's so devastated <laughs> at the end. <laughs> and his mom is so fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah she, she sucks. just like one whoever plays her is a terrible actress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and the way that she decides to comfort him <laughs> in any moment is the wrong way to comfort a child. Yes. Like when they're like, "Oh, we need to operate and you can't play hockey." And he's like, "But the scholarships." And she's like, "Well, you could go to community college." <laughs> That is definitely not what he wants to (laughs) hear so maybe like half a teardrop for he yeah Yeah, i'm pouring one out for him (laughs) pour one
0: out pour one liter of blood out right (laughs) for hockey team so the on-call room would be our steamy sex scene of the week um we don't have one this week, so no no on-call room. Nope. Um, song of the week, we all, I think, mentioned that Jem was involved this episode. Um, I think I was more affected by what was happening during the song than I was by the actual song. I had to go and look it up on the
1: Grey's Anatomy wiki. Thanks, Grey's Anatomy <laughs> wiki. Um, not a great music week. No. I like. I don't think I heard <laughs> any music in this episode. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've I just heard the music, think, yeah.
2: but only because I was purposefully listening for it. <laughs> right, but I was like, these songs are not affecting me in the way that I feel like the writers think they should be affecting me. No, yeah. they they should have played some Scarling. I think <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode would be a wash. <laughs> so the death
0: tally: uh, none, zero. So that's back to back episodes with zero deaths. Just so. Keeps- it's building. Oh. You're about to get fucked up. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's that right. Was Patrice. Funny. That
1: made me laugh out loud. Patrice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hockey teen's hockey career.
2: Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gone. It's not happening. Gone. I actually do feel real, really, really bad for him. Yes. Yeah. He's yeah. obviously very invested. He looked it up hockey. on the internet.
0: I got the directions off the internet. I know. He looked it up on the internet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I looked it up. On the internet. Uh, I'm
0: gonna play that clip for my students. <laughs> oh this yeah. year when I'm talking about research. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Don't don't be this guy. Don't be hockey teen.
2: I got the directions off the internet.
0: Oh god. 007.
1: <sighs> um, I I mean I I gave it to Izzy because I just kind of think she's a bad doctor. <laughs> she's and terrible. going back to like the passivity with which she treats her career at the most important time in her career. I just felt like, like, she, again, like, Yang did no doctoring because she had to babysit Bailey's child against her will. Izzy just felt like hanging out with her crush. So, like, there's no, like, even when she's trying to present Denny's case, she, like, gets talked over and just sort of, like, submits to it. And I just, like, find her to be a bad doctor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: pretty much.
1: I don't know. Who did you all have for 007?
2: I just wrote... No one killed anyone, which I guess is technically true. <laughs>
1: That's, yeah.
2: That's the bar. Literally, no one died. It's a good uh, thing you're not a
0: hospital administrator, Patrice. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no one died today. No medical malpractice today. Right.
1: So.
2: Right. Uh, but <laughs> a I tentatively gave it to Karai
1: mm. for just
2: the way that he was waving his dick about.
1: Yeah. 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 We
0: do forget that Denny is an actual patient who is actually dying, and Karev <laughs> was so unprofessional.
2: <laughs> yes, so right. unprofessional.
0: Yeah. I said Izzy as well, um, and I think Izzy's gonna have a a death strangle on this category for a yeah. while.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Karev of the week, what do you think?
2: I gave it to Bailey.
1: Solely for her misuse of yeah. yeah. surgical
2: income. That's totally fair.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good call. Um, I I gave it to George. Um, <laughs> I think that because I think that like to me, like we talk we've we've talked on the show before that like the the irony of the Krev of the week is that Krev, for any of you who watched the last five seasons is now like a delightful man who's a good husband <laughs> and like a, a valued member of society, right? But the origin of this is that he's a huge asshole as as he's originally written. Um, and I think that George is the biggest asshole in this episode. Um, I think his inability to handle um, his sexual encounter with Meredith, um, and, and the way that he treats her and he ignores her is like not only very childish but like mean and and awful. And I also just mm. find him very embarrassing. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's completely fair. I
0: gave it to Karev, uh, who it's it's tough because he wasn't wrong in, like, in, like, what he said to Izzy. He wasn't wrong in their fight, right? Like, he was very much in the right. But, God, he's such a fucking dick. He's a dick to just everyone around him. And, uh, Karev of the Week. For me, Karev. (laughs) And we're not changing the name of the category until (laughs) Karev evolves into a better human. Yeah, until we get
2: a new (laughs) dick.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chief Resident. I think I was the... I think I had the only candidate for this from our notes maybe i'm wrong but i i thought it was a really good episode for derek
2: mm-hmm. not just
0: as a human but also he does successfully operate on an inoperable aneurysm so yeah. like he's kind of he's kind of killing it this episode by not in fact killing anyone
1: yeah yeah um i would from a medical standpoint yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Too yeah. Precedent. yeah 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 from a medical standpoint I gave an honorable mention to Sylvia You're Booker. like, side
0: eyeing me right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, honorable mention <laughs> to Sylvia, sure.
1: <laughs> like, nobody really impressed me with their doctoring, but I think Sylvia's bravery for having a scary ass surgery, but also for giving her husband a mouth job in public is like yeah. deeply brave. And I yeah. really admire that. You know, like, I don't a, have that kind hero. of bravery in her yeah. own right. For sure, a hero for
0: us all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. you know, we should all
1: strive to be more like. So. I agree, uh, Patrice. Did you have a? Did you have you get a? Bit te- of fork in the neck, right? Yeah. And, right. Rolling. I <laughs> you know, and she took that like a soldier. Man, she was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. could you take this out?" And they were like, "We got <laughs> to totally take you in, in the face. room." And she's like, "Can't you just yank it?"
0: <laughs> Can we just? Not- <laughs> he didn't get to finish, so I was hoping that to- right. you
1: just take-
2: <laughs> pull it out. Out. <laughs> We'll make the hospital. So I can get back to work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no one impressed me medically. I wrote Derek maybe for the inoperable Mm tuner, but I gave it to Christina for putting up with Bailey. I think it's very clear how angry I am with Bailey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For her misuse of Christina. Yes. Yes. I just. Yeah. I'm pissed about it. Yeah. I'm pissed about it. Pissed about it. You yeah. should be. Um yeah, and I feel like Christina, even though it was a terrible train wreck to watch her care for this baby, she somehow did it. The
0: baby was alive at the end.
2: Again, didn't kill
0: anyone. That's a success. So <laughs> All right, what do we what do we got for line of the week? Um I really enjoyed uh there's this moment where um everyone's in the lunchroom, right? And uh everyone's asking George have you talked to Meredith? And George, being a petulant child, was like, no, I still haven't. And he says...
2: Tomorrow, I'm uh, going
0: to buy a t-shirt that says, stop asking me about Meredith. And I'm going to wear it every
2: day until people stop asking me about Meredith. Shh. Please, they won't be asking you about your hair. <laughs>
0: it's just...
2: <laughs>
0: That's, it's so unnecessary but it's, it's so good burn. and it's so yang
1: right like she yeah. does not give a shit about george no
0: and she's so exhausted and still has time to just be like what the fuck are
1: you doing Get that in. and i
0: respect that yeah. yeah never too tired
1: yeah um my line of the week was just um, hockey teen Heath repeating over and over again. I got the directions off the internet. Like like a litany, you know, he's just like going like, but I got the directions off the internet. And they're like, your hockey career is over. And he's like, I got the directions off the internet. And they're like, yes, Heath, but now you're, you have MRSA. And he's like, I got the directions off the internet. A broken record. It's amazing. Like, as it's if that's a good excuse. The internet like, it's, right. And it's like, it's also... I love moments on this show because it's still it's a modern show right like it's been on a long time but it's like a modern show and it's like that's such an asinine thing to say in 2019 but in 2006 I'm not saying it would ever be okay to look up instructions for how to cut your finger off on the internet but like that like spouting off things like the internet is just like so 2006 to me and I love feeling dated so I like really appreciate the like the like timeliness of
0: that when things were so much more
2: innocent He's just About so dumb. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly.
1: Know. Like, ask Jeeves how to cut off my finger. You know? Oh my gosh! <laughs> he probably did. Use he probably it. did. Jeeves. He's not that bright. Anyway, yeah, so that yeah. was mine. Is just his his internet litany.
2: Uh, mine was really a throwaway line. It was in the beginning, after Mister Gibson tells um, Addison that she looks like a young Captain Deneuve. <laughs> and Bailey just goes Been told I look like Halle Berry <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good it was Bailey's only good moment this entire episode <laughs> she's just like rocking her baby and she's like this man's fucking ridiculous <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh that's so good well that
0: that's our show for the week we don't have a medical fact of the week uh because aneurysms are, uh, uh, are terrifying uh, uh, yeah they're yeah. terrifying we don't want to talk about Anxiety them. Producing. we don't um, want we're
1: like intentionally not learning about aneurysms just so everybody out there knows is <laughs> that we don't want to yeah. i started to a about short
2: them. google search no. and i stopped yeah. immediately no it's really bad it told me i could get an aneurysm in my kidney.
1: Oh. No. See? No. Yeah, see? that's no I already that. know too much about aneurysms. Or like aneurysms. the fact
2: that all three of us could have aneurysms right, right now. now. Like we just like
0: right. don't even know. Okay.
1: So no. there's no medical fact of the week. We're not going <laughs> to talk about aneurysms. I'm sure none of you out there have aneurysms. And um, <laughs> but I think this has could. been a really great re... <laughs> despite despite this being a pretty boring episode, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode about a boring ass Grey's Anatomy episode
0: (laughs) we still somehow managed to go uh, you know 15 to 30 minutes over our time on Mm -hmm. a a truly uninteresting episode Um, but yeah we'll be back next week with season 2 episode 21 Superstition which hopefully is going to be a hell of a lot better we'll see maybe we'll just need to be a little bit drunker that could be the strategy yeah that's distinctly thanks for listening if you are still with us find us on itunes stitcher podbean and wherever else you listen to podcasts you can email us at codegraves at gmail.com and you can find us on twitter at code underscore graves underscore
2: thanks for listening i got the directions off the internet